Hi, this is Jackie Phillips. Hi, this is Steve Romain. Welcome to Reset. On Power 91.1. Reset because you deserve it. Hello and welcome to Reset. Welcome, Jackie. Welcome, Sifu. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You've had a busy week. I've had a very busy week. <laughs> but it's so good to be here with you. <laughs> thank you. Good to be here with you, too. And I'm so excited about our guests. Me, too. You know, one of the reasons I'm excited about our guests is, as you know, I do a lot in the bullying space. I have a book called uh, Self-Confidence Factor, Parents' mm-hmm. Guide to Bully Prevention. And she's working in this space as well. So I'm really excited to talk to her and get her to share her stories and talk about bullying. I am too. I do touch upon bullying in my new book, Stinky Teeth. I mean, I touched upon it a little bit, actually. And I do share that message in that book about love and kindness and talking to somebody if you feel like, you know, people aren't being nice to you. You feel like you're being alienated and things like that. That's so important. Yeah. Especially today. I mean, there's there's really just so much going on in our world and our community. So it's such a great message, you know, to spread love and kindness. It's just unfortunate that kids don't feel that all the time. That they have to go to school and feel like sick and make themselves sick so they don't have to go to school and sad yeah we're gonna yeah. we're gonna dig deep and talk about all of that so today's guest is tara lynn towns owner and founder of living beyond you she's an impassioned author motivator and certified professional life coach she has over 20 years of seasoned experience working with women children and families we are very excited to have her here on reset yes. so welcome to our show welcome tara hi <laughs> Thank, Thank you for you joining for us. Here. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of say the same words sometimes. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> two of us just like talking to one person. <laughs> We're sharing the same brain. <laughs> so Tara, um, tell us about your reset story. I mean, there's so much here that you've accomplished with your life and, and everything, but tell us specifically about your reset. Okay. Well, my reset is taking place now. I'm actually walking in my journey now. Um, I was in a very tough and unhealthy relationship, and I have a child that has um, dwarfism, and so he, you know, his his life is not always easy for him either. And amazingly, we're in the same place, and we're going through the same things. And I really did not realize that until he started sharing what he was sharing with me, I realized we matched with emotions in that. And so I'm coming out of something that just, you know, was not conducive to being happy, where actually took me off of my purpose. And um, I'm happy to say that coming out of that darkness actually shined a light on, on who I am inside, and it connected me with what I was really supposed to do, which was write that children's book and um, start this nonprofit and share the message, you know, across wherever the world. I mean, I, I want to I spread it that large. <laughs> when you say that you and your son are in the same place and feeling the same emotions, can you elaborate on that? Yes, I will. Um, I was in a place of feeling really inadequate due to a lot of negative talk 
and negative vibes towards me from a, a, a relationship. And he was in the same place of, you know, not his is a little bit, you know, he has a little bit more depth to him because he has a condition, but the emotions matched. He felt out of place in school and he felt, you know, that he just did not belong and, you know, why? He had so many questions of why or how children can be so mean as his words and just being real, cruel and, and hurtful. And I'm saying I felt those same things. How could someone who claims, you know, love or just a close relationship in any relationship um, treat you that way, speak to you in a certain way, harshly, you know, and for some people, physical, um, just like children. So they, they just, they go hand in hand. Yes. You know, bullying is such a major epidemic in our communities. 3.2 million families are impacted by it. You have cyberbullying, which is huge. Mm, you know, uh, I think it's like, you know, 80% of parents or 90% of parents think they know what's going on in their child's online life, but yet 65% of kids say parents have no clue. Yeah, what's no happening. idea. And then you have 1,100 young people a year that commit suicide yes. because of bullying. The numbers are staggering. Yes. Really, it's, it's phenomenal. So this is a very important topic and not something we want to take lightly, but can you elaborate more about your work with bullying and your message and your, your book about it, right? Yes. Well, um, my work with it is, I, I work with at-risk at at risk youth. And so I got to see, um, when I was doing my internship, I got to see the aftermath of different types of abuse, whether it be verbal, whether it be seriously bullying in school, or whether it just be from home. I got to see what happens to the emotional state of a teen or a child on a daily basis and in large groups, which was so impactful to me. Um, and then, like I said, when I had my own child that had his, uh, his beautiful diversity, okay, and he, he's coming home to me at five and six, and he's very sad or, or very sick. Well, he would say, let's pray for these children tonight. And I'm like, what children? And he's like, I just, we need to. They were mean today. And I'm like, wow, what did they say? And some of the things that come out of our children today, it, it is, I mean, it's appalling. And for some, it should be embarrassing that their child would even say or do some of the things. And so basically, um, I, I used to hold groups with children. I mean, now we're doing this. We're doing this book tour. So. I'm um, not, you know, in that, in that genre anymore, but I still had, that's where all of my experience comes from. What's the name of your book? The name of my book is Tiny But Mighty, and it's a fantasy book about a little prince and giants, but it's not the, the typical David and Goliath, but it is, it just has a little twist to it. And in the book, um, the prince was my son, Prince Ankur, He's, he's a Dominican. he's very, very small, like beyond small, and he defeats the giants through using thinking skills, and he create. I won't give it all away, but he created yes. <laughs> so we don't have a book anymore. <laughs> but he, he creatively, come, when everyone in his village doesn't believe in him because he's very smart, and so they say, you can't be a warrior, you know, you can only be a thinker, because the, the people are divided into these two peoples, groups of people. And so, um, and so in, in the book, he defeats them with, through, through thinking. 
And that's the message that we want to share, that we can think things through um, before we react. And if we do that, we're really redirecting the trigger, which is someone being fearful of something that they don't understand and another child who is just beautifully diverse that doesn't understand either of why they're not being accepted. It's the whole thing is fear, in my opinion, is fear of the unknown. This child looks different than I do. Wow. They're smaller and they're supposed to be, you know, I don't know, they're supposed to be as big as I am, but they're so little. And, and they're, how old is he? Three, these are things that he, it's like, what are you, a preschooler? And he's in third grade. So it's just people not understanding. And that's what this book, this, this, this is the book, by the way. That's oh, great. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Right there. And, <laughs> and so, um, um, I, I love the thought, you know, the, you know, the fact that you're using thinking. You know, they say that in martial arts, anyway, we say between stimulus and response, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's your opportunity to really think about what you're going to do or how you're going to respond to yes. the situation. Yes. And, and in the book, and even with the mission, and when we go and speak, our message is clearly to appeal to both sides because what I had to explain to my son is that when you get angry and you say the same thing, it's presenting the same thing that was given to you. So you're really being a bully as well. Now you are being violated and you have to just be truthful with that. That's what I mean about removing the trigger points for anything. And so enlightening children and, and getting them used to the idea of, hey, everyone's not thin, everyone's not white, everyone's not black, everyone's not perfect. You know, we have perfect imperfections, all of us. And getting them used to the idea of diversity, being beautiful versus being different, that is really our message. It is so beautiful that someone does not look like me and that I don't look like them. But as someone is from Europe and someone is from Africa, and that we share different foods, different religious beliefs, different clothing. I mean, it's, that is so beautiful. But we've been trained and conditioned as a society, you know, to have a certain, this, this is what you are in the labels. And, and if, if you don't fit into this category, then you're not it. No, we all are it in our own little way. Yeah. So that's what our mission is about. I think it was beautiful that your son knew to pray for them. Yeah. Instead of he could have handled it so many different ways. Yeah. He was so above it and so smart and so like empathetic towards them. He had to learn that from you. Did you well, teach him at a young age how to be empathetic? Or his prayer always been in his life. I mean, that is definitely. I think a Holy Spirit moment too, to know that you should pray for your enemies and not, you know, he could have said all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah, he could have. And you know what I mean? But instead, he was really sweet about it. That's amazing. And that's what made me feel so bad to where I said he needs a voice. Um, yeah. And he did, I will get to that a little bit later with how he came to me about him being the one to talk and me just being a part of his journey, and I'm happy, I'm blessed. But yes, uh, God is big to me, he's big in my family, and um, he's the center of the universe, and, and that's love. And so I'm very big on that. And so 
when people, now he was only four, so it's not like I, well, I said I didn't condition him, but we go to church yeah. and we pray for people. But it was him who thought, and that's like what you said, you know, he, he made that own connection to say, wait, let's add these, you know, he's in my bed, my sister, you know, a normal line, you know, people. But then he said, well, we, I need to add these three people in school. Because <laughs> so I'm like, oh, what did they do? So, and then he told me, and it was really, really, really mean, and it really hurt him. But I love that he did choose to say, you know what, I can walk in love in this at four. Yeah. Normally, children, I had a preschool. Children retaliate. Okay, three-year-olds retaliate. They throw toys at each other. <laughs> an eye for an eye. You know, until you teach them differently. No, so walk away. You have a walk away rule. Walk away. You know, mm -hmm. Think about it. Go play with something else and gather your thoughts. And that's the biggest part of on any level, even in the corporate world, with women, men, teenagers, and children. You do have to walk away mentally so that you can stay in yourself. And when you stay in yourself, you connect there and say, okay, now you can reason and rationalize and say, is it worth it or should I do this? But if you just react from your fear, it's going to be explosive. And then it will increase the behavior. And then, you, it's, you know, a lot of kids stop. They stop. They don't want to tell their, their parents because children say, oh, you're, you're a baby or, you, you know, you can't handle it or whatever. And they start stopping, and that's when we get into depression and medication, and and then we get into suicide when it's really not addressed. And it could be addressed as early as one years, you know, of age. Yeah. Preschools. That's where it really begins. Daycares. Start meshing with children and teaching them how to love and respect each other that early. That we have to start. Oh, yeah. You have a book for that age group. I'm sorry. Book for four-year-olds. This is the age group is like third grade level, but to be honest, my daughter's in college and two of her college mates love the book. It's not written, it's written child friendly, but it's deep, you know, so that the message is, it hits you in your heart and you realize, wow, okay, there's something needs to be done about this. And then you do it where it's not a lesson either, you know, where it's not edu so educational because if you want to appeal to a kid, it's not going to be saying a lesson. It's going to be saying that this is an experience. They want to experience things. So that's what it's an experience. It takes you on a journey. It's a universal message that everyone can learn from. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that both of you are going through the experience at the same time. One of the mm -hmm. interesting facts that I found when I was doing my research for my book with bullying was that a lot of times kids who were bullied, their parents were being bullied. You know, their parents were bullied either as children or they're being bullied as adults and they, they really didn't have an answer. And so they really couldn't help their children. But in your case, you actually do have an answer and you found a voice. So I think that's a really unique and interesting aspect to your story. The other thing I find very interesting is that, which I think is wonderful to celebrate, um, is that you're so successful already, and yet these kinds of things can still happen. Like we're never free of things happening to us, but we can free ourselves by taking action to fix them. And I think that's like a very important message of empowerment yes. because 
you know, you look at you, you're an author, you're, you have a nonprofit, you're a life coach. Like if I didn't know you and I'd be like, man, she's got it going on. How the heck was she? And like, how does anybody talk to her in any sort of way? Right. But you're human. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important to relay that message to our listeners and our audience that watches that it can happen, but you can take power. Yeah. And love the problem away, like we always say on the show. Love yourself and say no and say yes to you. Absolutely. And that's what you did. So congratulations. Thank you. Really, it's really empowering. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your nonprofit. The nonprofit is new. Um, we've just begun the mission, and um, we are currently speaking and um, setting up different engagements to spread the word about our mission. And so um, the long-term goal that we have for the nonprofit is to um, have a center and where there's training and workshop, workshops and different things, you know, that, that people can bring their children to and families. I, I'm, I'm big on the source, the microsystem, which is our parents. Yeah. <laughs> our caretakers before we developed into who we were. And that's a lot of us as adults, and my, myself included, we get lost in our adulthood. So we can't connect to the child on that level, especially if we're bombarded with everything that we're doing in our lives. We won't sit down and say, you know what? Wow, I was just really at work last week. Or I was just, we just, we're, we're trained to keep it moving, push it under the rug, keep it moving. And then we're raising children who are now adopting that methodology to keep it moving and don't tell. You have to tell. And I'm not saying that, you know, do we want to create <laughs> a world of hysteria where children are just like tattletelling on every second? He looked at me wrong. No, quite close though. <laughs> Quite close. I mean, we want kids to open up. The most wonderful thing um, was Corey spoke um, at church uh, two weeks ago. And he spoke about his experience. And then a boy stood up, and his mom did not know, okay, that he was being bullied. So the boy, you know, he, a girl was bothering him about his week. And when he stood up and said the story, because what, I, what I'm seeing, and this is how God in the universe works, it started out as where Corey just talks to kids and then they have questions. But what's happening is this is where God is carrying us. I'm now opening up a session while he's talking, so it gives him a break too because he's a child. And, but it, it just engulfs and enthralls the whole room. And it's amazing. And so this little boy stands up and he shares his story. And his mom looked very surprised, like, wait, you didn't tell me that. And that's a lot of reactions that parents have, you know. And we want to get it before we find them in a closet somewhere or, you know, they take a bottle of pills and we didn't know about that, you know. We want to get it before we get the letter. But what I found that just moved my spirit was that not only did he stand up and say that, the mom was enlightened because she didn't even know her child was, but the other children started just, everyone had a story but in light of that, they then started telling Corey, you know, nice, encouraging things like, oh, you're, you're so cute anyway, or you're so smart anyway, it doesn't matter, you're doing a great job. And then he did that. And I said, this is what it is, man, this is what it is right here. I love it. 
And he did another talk in Irvine at a school, and a little boy had alopecia. And this is why we do this work, you know. He had alopecia, and in the school, you know, there's no hat policy in California, so he had a sick hat. Never took it off, the teacher told me. Never talks about his alopecia. Of course, the children always say, well, he gets to wear a hat. Why don't we? And, they, and the teacher just says, it's a sick hat because his hair falls out. And so I have it on video. Corey's talking, and this little boy, I'm, and we let it go. I, I like it to be worn up, and I don't want it to be staged, not with children, you know. And so he just takes his hat off, and he says, I don't have a question, but I have alopecia, and I got it when I was four. And now I have to wear sick hats, and I don't like to take them. And I was just like, whoa. And then and he, was, and he called Corey a superhero. He's like, you're like a superhero because you're really small, but you're really big. And you make Aww. Yes. And, and that's powerful. And that, that was last year. That was a second grader who, who just. And then there was an autistic girl who basically was nonverbal. And Corey says, any questions? Because he really does just talk like he's a professional. <laughs> he wears his suit and glasses. <laughs> and so he said, any questions? And he calls the kids and he'll ask their name, you know. And so the little girl cannot talk. And she raised her hand. And her aide looked at me, so she's nonverbal. And I said, but so what? Inside, she has a question. Okay, so let her raise her hands. And Corey said, Melissa. What is the question? And she just said, hi. It's plain as day, a nonverbal person. That's what I mean. And so this, this, he's walking love, and love is big. It's the greatest victor. I, I, that's the last line in my book. It is the greatest victor on this earth. We just have to tap into it because it's here. We all have it. Okay? We just yeah. it sometimes or we hide it sometimes, but we don't know how to reach it within ourselves, give it to others. But it's there, and it's the only thing that's going to counteract this. How are these experiences impacting Corey? Like, I mean, it's very powerful to be in front of a room and speak and have experiences like that as an adult. Yes. Just imagine being his age and you're a child and you're experiencing this and you're inspiring other children. Like, he really is becoming the character from the book. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? I will say one thing. Before, I noticed his age. He's starting to really realize what this walk is, okay? Because when he was um, seven and a half, was when he first said to me, we were at the doctor's, and he said, Mom, what is the type of job where you can talk to people? Because the girl thought he was four. And that's the normal thing, right? And so um, so, so um, he said, um, um, what is the job where you talk to people? And I said, oh, like what mommy does, like a, a public speaker or a life coach. She said, well, I want to talk to big people about little people. And I said, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then and he said, and I want you to help me. And the girl stood outside, and she wasn't, you know, it's just a normal, I mean, it's, it's just unknown. You just have to be educated, that's all, you know. And she just said, oh, my God, I'm in tears outside by the door because I feel bad that I said, are you four? <laughs> and he didn't want to change into the little character one. And he was seven. He didn't want to change into the dinosaur rope for a four-year-old, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and that's what he said. And I, I got him on video too saying, I said, what is your biggest complaint with big people? And he said, well, when I'm 30, I don't want someone trying to pick me up like I'm a baby. I'm, I, he said, I'm, I'm going to be a grown man with a wife and kids. <laughs> so I'm like, it's deep. So I say all of that to say that in the beginning, it's kind of like he's shy. 
and he knows that he wants to give this message was bothering him enough to say that to me to ask for my that that's pretty deep and I know it's ordered by God in the universe you know but now he's getting to the point where he had a little bit of jitters at the, and he before he's younger so he's not really tapping into that fear he's fearless like oh I'll talk in front of all these kids and we'll ask questions now it's like woo that all of the eyes are on me and it's quiet when I talk. So going into the church, he said, Mom, today? I said, what? What's the matter? I said, you have a whole bunch of people. Like, I saw he had like reluctance on his face. And he said, today I have a little bit of stage fright. <laughs> and he said, he said, but I'm still going to do it. Mom, I said, if you ever have, which answers your question, if you ever have a problem with speaking or you want to stop, or you, I said, please, this is not, this is a mission. This is not a job. And that's what I said to him. And he was like, thank you. He said, well, I want you to start coming with me up there. And you can, he did tell me, you can be quiet and let me talk. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. He said, but then when, when I don't have anything else to say and I ask the question, then you can come in. I said, okay. <laughs> so that's what we did. What is the name of your nonprofit? It's Tiny Be Mighty because the name Tiny But Mighty was used as a corporation, so we couldn't use it, but it's Tiny Be Mighty. And okay. so obviously the name speaks for itself that you are already big, even though you're small. When your heart is big and you have a big goal or you love on a level, like he always says, I love you as big as God's heart. We can't get any bigger than that. That's massive love that this child is walking around with, you know? And so... I say that that's what makes you big. That's what makes you big, and that's what the book is about. Is As a life coach, tell us about your work as a life coach. Well, um, um, I started a small coaching practice, and that's why I relocated to California to merge with a, a fitness center there. And, um, and I, I counseled um, anxiety, at-risk youth, um, depression, a lot of my, the clientele really stemmed from people not knowing their mission and purpose. They weren't really depressed. They just didn't connect with their inside to know what they're supposed to do, which I feel is one of the biggest things, blocks that people have on this planet. And you just don't know. Like you have all of these things that you're great at, but you just don't know which one is it. Which one is my birthright purpose that I'm supposed to be walking in? Mm -hmm. and it creates anxiety, anger, fear, depression. And so I dealt with a lot of that. <laughs> I dealt with a lot of that. Right. And, and this is a very important topic, what you're saying, because, yeah. you know, there's a difference between what we're passionate about yeah. and our purpose. And our purpose is yeah. a mission. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In my new book, I start to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's intense. Because I thought literally... Um, I had an illness. I, ha I have a whole lot of, I see, I had a cycle in my own life. I, I love to be authentic and open. In my own life, I had several breakdowns, and they just keep recycling, okay? And the last one I had was my health issue just literally sitting me down for a few years, and that's where I discovered my purpose. I connected with God on a level that I've never connected with him and the universe on, and it just opened me up to me and I said whoa and I you know it's not thought because it's not that this doesn't encompass life coaching but I see how when you are on on a target and when you are in your, walking in your purpose 
it's going to be revealed. So the little things that you thought you were going to do with all of this stuff, that mission is going to be like, and it's going to be put right before you. And it's going to force you, if you keep swaying, it's going to force you back on to what you're supposed to be doing. So the best thing is, is just to connect with it so that you can do what you're meant to do here. Do you have a process to help people discover their purpose? Yes. I have like a plan of action. So we, we always get down to the, we get to the breakdown first. Okay. And then once we get to our breakdown, we, we just come up with our plan of action. What are we going to do? What is the, the micro goal first? Because we all know when we set those goals up to the moon, we're not going there. And if we do, it's going to take a long time or take us off, off course with what we're supposed to be doing. And then that brings the same circle, the same cycle back around. So, yeah, so we, we develop what the breakdown is. We recognize it. And we don't feel bad about it. And we don't own it. We just respect it. And, that, and that's, you know, I write about that as well. You have to respect and have reverence for the things that are shaping us. We cannot go against them or hate them because they are in us. They happen for a reason. And we have to have total huge reverence for them. Because that's where our breakthrough lies, connecting mm. with that. We honor it first, and then we diffuse it, and then we fix it. We revise, and we, we live how, how we are desiring to live. When I talk about life purpose, I talk a lot about the fact that I believe, and what I've observed, is that your life purpose is usually centered around a life issue that you have personally struggled with. Oh, yes. Have you found that as well? Yes, yes. Can you talk more about that? Yes, well, I mean, I can, like I said, I'm a big believer in not, I, I always say I like to, we can visit the past, but we can't take up residency there because then we get lost in living in the moment, which is all we own, and we all know that, right? And then making plans for where we're going to go with what we have in our moment. And so basically, I realized that my pattern, because I, I, I have an overweight story. I mean, it goes on and on. When people look at me, when I speak to teens about that, I have in the group homes, they're like, I would never even think you were overweight, Miss Teen. And I'm like, oh, Miss Teen was very overweight. You see, people look at where you are now, but they don't know what got you there. What road did you travel? They have no clue. And so they're just, once again, labeling and, and judging what's here, but they're really missing you. And so I like to, you know, just take myself back and take people back to, yes, what did create this? Because you, you have to find that to know how to fix it. But in my, my pattern in my life, and I noticed it, it's just accepting what was given to me. So when I was a heavy child, when people teased me, there's bullying again. I mean, I'm not like the bully queen, <laughs> but we all, <laughs> and I'm like, bully, that was bullying. You looked at me wrong, that's a bully. No, but seriously. <laughs> that is a bullying story that I own. I was a huge, not in my younger years, but I had went through a period where I had a weight issue. And I was teased to the moon. But once again, back then, my dad and my parents, my dad would say, oh, boys do that when they really like girls. Yeah. Making light of it. But that's the old school mentality. Oh, we used to, you know, say names to each other in the, in the schoolyard. But that's not, it's not schoolyard, you know, talking anymore. It's like physical and, and you know, depressing and killings now behind it. But um, I realized that my pattern was just accepting, accepting what people gave me 
and as strong as I can come across because I am, I'm there and we're all works in progress. I'm still, you know, working on it, not anywhere near what it was, but just to, to learn how to not make a wave. That was me. Don't, you know, don't make us think about something. Don't create, don't walk on eggshells. And I see, and I, I'm a firm believer in how we behave as children. We still own a lot of that stuff. And we mask it with our number of our age. And so here I am, even in positions before I had my own business. You know, yes, okay, yes, no problem. No, the yes, 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 okay, I'll do that, no problem. Not making a wave, eggshells. No. And so I, when I got sick very, very ill, and I went through well, 10 years now, but like five years of the grueling part of it, okay, that is where I was like, no, I had to put up a fight. And that fight is now, I see how the universe, like when you tap in and connect like that, now that, I'm a fighter. I'm not an eggshell person. And, and I didn't know that about myself. But all of these things kept resurfacing because that is what I thought of myself. And when I got through my health situation to bring me through a, a terrible relationship, to bring me through a child that, I'm not going to lie. When my son comes home for the first time, telling people say, I, I look like a monster. You're ugly. Your head is big. I'm sorry. I'm not nice about that. Like, I'm very, you know, I had to go in a room and be like, oh, my God, with my sister, like, um, I cannot be nice about this. And she's like, no, I want to, like, it makes you want to be like them, but they're kids, and we can't do that. We cannot do that. We need to just retrain their brains, that's all. So, yes, my pattern was not speaking up, and it's so funny that God in the universe has placed me in a place where I have to speak up about everything now. And so that is in me counteract what my issue is. That is my issue. Yeah. Well, you just said it's that. It's a life issue that you yeah, struggle with. Yeah, the life issue, yeah. 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 And it just you comes know, different, in different circumstances. The same thing will pop up until you knock it down. <laughs> it will. When things repeat, there's a lesson you have to learn. Oh, yeah. Well, and the lesson gets bigger until you learn it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The thing I like that you said, too, was you're missing me here. And I feel like that is the dance with bullying, too. The, whether you're a child or an adult, they're missing you. Yes. They're not seeing you, but they're picking on you. That's not even really what they're picking on. They're yes. picking on the thought of what they think you are instead of what you really are. Absolutely. And it makes it worse for the person that's getting bullied. So whatever that is, like that little boy you said in church, mm -hmm. I'm sure his weight probably got bigger and bigger mm -hmm. through time because he was eating his emotions because he was ashamed to tell his mom, he's a boy, he should be able to stick up for himself. And it was a girl, by the way, who was bullying him. Yeah. But they're still mean girls, even as adults. Yes. Oh, I know yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. You know? yeah adult bullying is, is very yeah. common, actually. Yeah. yeah. So do you talk about adult bullying in your book as well, or, or in your nonprofit work, or do you go and do workshops or seminars around that? Well, just, we have just, you know, began this journey. And yes, that is, but when I said the long-term goal for that, I, uh, absolutely. 
I actually write about it on my social media. And the other day I had a message from a, um, a woman and um, she said, and, and, it, and she, she actually went online and um, read, you know, the preface of my book and what the mission was about. But she wasn't contacting me for a child. She was contacting me for herself. She's in the military and she has this huge corporate position and she was being bullied. And she asked me if I had an attorney or anyone on my staff of the nonprofit that worked with women and do I advocate for women. And I am an advocate for the Women's Welfare Work Program in California for many, many years. Okay, so I do love advocating for women. But I just thought, I said the irony of this. As I'm saying, this is a children's book. This mission, mission is presented as it's for children, but you see, God will reveal everything. It's for everyone. It's for any circumstance where you, someone is coming against you and you don't know how to speak up or you don't know how to respond to what's being given to you. That's what, that's what our mission is about. I don't even want to, I thought I, it was just for children. See, I'm even growing in, you know, in the middle of the mission myself, which is so cool, right? That's what life is about. It's exciting. What about, let's talk about relationships a little bit and bullying in relationships because I think it's a topic that is very important and a lot of people don't own up to the fact that they're in relationships or have been in relationships that they were bullied in and it could be a sister, it could be your mother, it could be your husband, wife, whatever it is, your, your kids could bully you even. You know, but what are some ways that maybe someone would know they're in a relationship that they're being bullied and they're not aware? Like not everybody right. is emotionally intelligent and with the program right. to know that they're even in a bad relationship. I mean, well, we get lost in cycles, you know, in the cycle. Let's say it again. I'm sorry. In cycles. And so... Yeah. And, and, and in a cycle, you have a honeymoon, you have the yes. and then you have the reaction to it or the response to it. And anyone can get caught up in that. I mean, even with my background, I personally got caught up with that. But I think that how, how you know that or what you can say to yourself to make you realize is, number one, am I happy? Like, for real. Like, let's move everyone aside. Let's turn the cameras off, okay? And let's just get with us for real. Am I happy in this? Like, can I really say that this person, male, female, child, relationship, makes me feel great? Now, we know with relationships, it won't always be perfect, and that's the beauty of everything, not being perfect. We, how, how would we learn or grow if everything was the same and perfect? Yes. It goes back to that message. But to, to really ask yourself that question, I think people get – you know, caught up in the title of a relationship. And so they don't feel that they have an obligation to themselves to even question their relationship. Okay. So oh, this is my husband, but he just called me a nutcase or I'm, I'm not smart or I'm like you said, I'm overweight and I know I'm, you know, 120 looking nice. You know what I mean? Uh, you're going to accept that because you're attached to that title. Like, Oh, that's my husband. That's, he's not, he's not bullying. It's just the way he is. No. It can't be just the way he is. I mean, he can be that way, but if it's making you feel a certain way, which is not good, there's a problem there. And I think that's what we need to focus on as people in any relationship. Does this feel good? Like, seriously. Not all the time, but does this genuinely feel good? And if it doesn't, there's issues that need to be addressed. And I think, once again, fear. 
fears. Wow. You know, it keeps you from <laughs> discovering so many different things because people just don't want to touch. It just like that eggshell scenario I gave. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to make weights. They just want everything to be, okay, so we're great and we're perfect and you're not. And once again, that's why you have so many people needing life coaches and therapists for depression, anxiety, panics. And those things come from unresolved issues, you know. And so I feel that that's the first place to look at anything. Even when I talk to teams, you know, the first question I, well, the first thing I have them do to warm up is just to look at someone else, say something nice about someone else. And they were like, huh? I don't even know them. Or say, or yeah. say something, you know, that they want to change. So that one really, really, or shifting. Because I don't believe in change. I believe in shifting. Um, one thing you would like to shift about yourself to start off like that, they're like, whoa, you know. But it, it makes them say, hmm, what don't I like inside here? And it starts surfacing out. So I think that's where we can begin. Do I feel happy? Do I feel good? And if I don't, what's, what's the issue? Where's the breakdown? Well, something interesting, too, is we are our worst enemies a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to say to yourself, would I talk to myself that way? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times the answer would be yes and worse. Mm -hmm. So that's a bad start, too. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know, fear is, my friend John Lupo always says, false evidence appearing yeah. real. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, well, maybe I am a little fat. Maybe I didn't realize I gained a little bit of weight. Or maybe I am kind of stupid because I didn't graduate college or I didn't get that job or promotion or whatever it is that you attach yourself to success to, right? right. So then you do start to believe that evidence that's appearing in front of you that's not real, right. but you're like, maybe it is. Right. And then, it, then you open that door. And then how do you close it? Right? Right. That's what's it's so powerful. Hard. You're saying the truth is powerful. It, it, it really is. And in my opinion, it's so much easier for people to look at, which really blows my mind, when I was in that place, too, to look at the wrongs. Okay? Yeah. So I like to say we have a judgment free zone. And that's kind of, I had a little sign in my office. You know, yeah. as much as I can. I mean, we all have our moments, but I do not, I don't label and judge. I can't, I can't do that. Like I said, I have moments uh -oh. where I'm, you know, but I do not just look at someone and say, oh God, you know, he's on drugs. Now this kid, you know, wants me to help him. No, I know. What was, what was I on? And I wasn't. I'm saying, what was my thing? We all have a thing. You know, we all have some. We all have our stuff. Yes. But I feel that the, the issue is we're so comfortable, once again, Perfection is an enemy in our society. Okay, yeah. people strive so hard to become perfected when there's only one being that's God in the universe. In my belief system, I'm not, you know, against anyone's belief system. But even if you believe in the universe, it is perfect. We bring the imperfection to the universe. Okay, and so when we when we look at ourselves, it's so hard for us to say that we're perfect just the way we are. Now, if we want to shift in some things, okay, let's do it. But it's hard to face yourself. So it's so easy, it's so easy to concentrate on, oh, my hair is not nice enough. I'm, I'm not thin enough. I'm not this. I'm not. Then to say, you know what? I love my hair. I love the length of it. It's almost like love, even though it is the greatest victor, it's, it's almost like it's so impossible for a lot of people to, to, to give it to themselves. Yes. Yeah. 
they extend it to others, or they're in relationships, but it's hard for them to say, like, I really love me just the way that I am. We've been programmed that if you don't look this way, if you don't speak this way, if you don't dress this way, if you don't have that house, if you don't have that car, if you're not, if you're not tall, you're not perfect. That is the message. And for people, it lowers the self-esteem, obviously. And when you have a lowered self-esteem, you're going to allow anything in there. Okay, and you'll hold on to a little crumb of what gets you by, but you, you will never have the cake. And that's where I had to get it for myself. I, I get these little crumbs. You know, I, I, I'm a loving person. I love the love, so I like to get love back. And I'm like, wait a minute, because it shouldn't return to you voided if you're giving it. But yes, I learned something with the universe. Things can, if it's not genuine, on the other end. It's not about you. It's about them. So when we learn, hey, someone called me ugly, that's because they feel ugly. Or someone called them ugly, or they're scared or whatever it is, okay, when we learn, especially with teens, especially with teen girls, when we learn, you know, I am this, and this is what I accept, and if I want to do better because of me, I will, but I will not do better because of you, and I'm not going to, definitely not going to drive myself crazy to be better because of you. Who are you, you know? So I think, I think that's, that's, that's where we can start. Well, we forget that we're made in God's image, you know? That's the thing you learn when you're little. You're made in God's image. You're perfect. But then as we get older, we forget, and we're like, like everything you just said. We're yeah. supposed to look like this one and that one and whatever. And, you know, one of the things, one of the biggest things I celebrate in my children's series is celebrating being unique. Yeah. And they're adopted brothers and... They celebrate being unique in a multicultural world because we are a melting pot now. Yeah, we are. You know, no one's just one thing. You know, you're you're a lot of things, yeah. and that can also mean you're a lot of things in your employment. You don't yeah. have to just be a author. Right. You can be a life coach. You can be a doctor and a radio personality. You can be a mom and a teacher. Like, you know, yeah. it's not like it was. So we need to celebrate ourselves and love ourselves more. So really good message. Really good message, Tara. What are three things that you would share with somebody who's going through a reset? I'm sorry? What are three things that you would share with somebody who's going through a reset? Oh, who's going through a reset. Mm -hmm. Oh, the first thing I would share is to really, really, really be authentic with yourself. I mean, if you have to sit there and write your whole life story to read it to yourself and find your issues or your breakdowns, do it. Because I, did, I mean, it's connecting. So connect with you so deep that you really, really, really understand you. Because we project our own, you know, view of ourselves. Okay? So sometimes we can give something off and people will say, okay, they're like this. And they will say, oh, well, she's thinking this of me. It's something that you, you have to take on that. You have to take ownership and, and take responsibility for that. Mm -hmm. I would also say, think and breathe the unimaginable to yourself. And say to yourself, what is it that I think that I could never accomplish on this planet? Because that's flipping it. We all say, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a... What do you think? What is something that you think you can never, ever, ever, ever do? And then lastly... Get, get comfortable with that. 
and get to know that so that you can know, hey, I can do this and just have courage. I mean, I know these are like courage is simple, but it's really not. And it's something you feel you can't do. You don't have to say what you can do. What can't you do on this planet? Because you can't. Well, I like that. And that is so your belief system, especially when you want to be a world champion after you got hurt. These are your principles as well. Absolutely, yeah. See it, believe it, achieve it. Michael Jordan, too. He always would say he saw himself making the shot. He saw the slam dunk. He saw winning the game. And he did. Yeah. You know, that was the first time I really learned what manifesting was about by watching Michael Jordan, you know, play basketball. Mm -hmm. Because I was an athlete and I always, you know, there's always things you want to work on and, you know, you have a big game coming up or whatever. And you want to improve. And then I started, like, hearing the things he was talking about. I was like, well, I can envision making that play. And, you know, you start to do it and you're in batting practice or whatever it is and you're, you know, thinking of hitting it but in that game, you know what I mean? And it works. It really does work. Now, let me ask you this, because this is a little bit like, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, Maybe it's a controversial question about law of attraction, but I think it could be interesting, like banter, you know? So law of attraction is obviously we're attracting the things to us in our life. How... How are children attracting bullying? Because, you know, you hear people talk about that. Well, you must have needed that lesson. You must have attracted it. And I just don't believe that a four-year-old is attracting some little girl sitting on her and shoving sand in her eyes. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. I I think that that's a very important point that you said. I think that if we were talking about a teenager, once again, I just, when I was talking about how sometimes we can give off something, Mm-hmm. So when you're insecure, it, it, it is a big, you know, elephant in the room. <laughs> you yeah. know, okay, so we can definitely mess with you. So yes, when you um, are at that, that level of insecurity where people can pick that up in you, so that's a certain age category that would not apply to children. But I'll, I'll get to my theory on that. Um, you, you do open yourself up. And that's what I mean. The counteract that is to, Build self-esteem and self-confidence. If you have one eye and one leg, you are beautiful. And yeah, yeah. And really own that. My son, he's different. He looks, you know, he's, he looks like a baby, a three-year-old or four-year-old. And people say that people will go to restaurants, people pull out the boosters or a high chair. And now he just laughs before he's like, I don't need a high chair. But that's like, you don't tell a third grader you need a high chair. <laughs> So, but now he's like, mom, she thought I needed a high chair again. So he's now, it's light because he's starting to understand, oh, she just didn't know. She's not being mean. She just did not know that I wasn't four or two. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to little children, this is where the parents come. So actually the parents are attracting that for their child or parents, caretakers, babysitters. You have parents who work hard and I'm, I, I was a single mom for a very long time. It's not easy, so I don't judge anyone. But what I'm saying is now that we know, we need to model perfection in that area. What are you saying around your child? You keep saying, oh, I think I need to lose 20 pounds. Oh, my God, I need to dye the roots of my hair. Oh, I mean, you start making them say, like, what's wrong with you? I thought yeah. you look great <laughs> to me. I thought I, I'm guilty. I said it around court. Oh, mommy is 
standing a little bit around her midsection. He's like, oh, mom, you look great to me. That's where we need to keep kids. Just so soft, healthy, and love. Like, they are so free. Their spirits are so free. So when you have a four-year-old who is pointing and saying you're ugly, vocabularies are very, very stiff today with children. Your two-year-olds can say not nice things. Yeah. That's the parent attracting that because they're doing something at home or their caretaker, once again, I'm not saying all parents, whoever is in that child's microsystem yeah. or you know, ha having a big impact on them and how they're developing is who is making that attraction happen. Learn behavior. Plate, okay? So if we really left them alone, when they come here, we would have a wonderful place to live, okay? They are a blank slate. They come here. They're loving. They just want us to love them. And what do they get? They're around certain things that start tainting that love, you know, yeah. and start stuffing it. Like, oh, I really want to be like this, but my big sister calls everyone a jerk, and I want to be cool like her, so I'm going to say it too. Yeah. No, it's cooler to love. And kids don't, they, that's another mess. That's another story. But kids really, it's corny to be happy in love. Oh, are you kidding me? It's the greatest victor. It's not corny to be like that. Sweet. This is great. And, you know, one of the things that I tell parents all the time is, or the question I ask them is, how do your kids make friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Most parents can't really answer that. And I, it's really simple. Either they make friends with people they are alike or mm -hmm. want to be like. Right. So if your child has low self-esteem, he's going to attract more kids or be around more kids similar to him. Mm, like her. shy kids and right. her, yeah. Or they're going to gravitate towards the kid who's loud and boisterous so they feel safe. Yeah. And then that kid is going to rule him. Right. Right. And that's why it's so important for parents to yeah. expose their children to all different wheelchairs, Down syndrome, little people, black people, white people. You have to expose your children to the many that this world offers. You cannot have them just thinking because what you will get is embarrassed, number one. We had a situation at a birthday party. A little boy was like, oh, my God, what is he? And my son, that, that was one time that really hurt for you. That's a very yeah. tough thing. That really did hurt him. He said, what is he? Is he a freak? These are the words that he used. This is in second grade. And my daughter was there, and she was like, Mom, please, I'm, 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 I can't contain myself. And his mom read, okay? He, and he just kept going. But you know what? I, she said, Mom, stop. Who was the parent? He, his parent was at the birthday party packing the bag up, and her face, she didn't even turn around. This little boy just called Corey out, and he's standing here, Corey's standing here, the mom is there packing the little party bag, and I'm standing here with my daughter and the person his birthday party, the grandma. And Corey just was shocked that that one was like major. And all the little kids are running around, you're listening and you're laughing. And that was just over the top, you know. Up her son. Why didn't she yell at him? She was, I'm telling you, she was paralyzed in her embarrassment. Uh, she didn't even lift her head up out of the bed. It wow. paralyzed her. She could not even control this little second grader. So I I did. I said, well, Corey, I'll, I'll take that back. He actually said, you know what? I, he got a little, you know, because he's normally very cool about it. He said, hey, I have dwarfism, okay? That's what I have. I'm not, a, he said, I'm not a freak. He said, that wasn't the word he said. He said, is he a freak? He's like, I'm not a freak. I'm a kid just like you. I have dwarfism. Like, he, he did that. And I, said, I don't really need much. 
Let's yeah. just go. Let's know? Just you to so the grandma went over to the woman because it was Corey's best friend's grandma. Um, and she goes over to the women and, and she says, um, it's, it's time. She's like, oh, we are leaving. Like, she was trying to get out the door and her son just kept going. But my point is that that's, that is the point. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he was exposed to someone that was not like him, because that was on a major level, and I feel it was shock. You know, it was his reaction was like someone just saw, you know, a person that's been dead and, and they rose from the dead. Like, it was like, is he a, like, is he a child? Like, I'm like, wow. But I think it's unacceptable that she was paralyzed in her embarrassment, oh, frankly, right. because mm -hmm. what kind of child is she raising? Right. He's, he's going to do that to other kids, other people, the lady in the wheelchair at the mall who's, you know, too heavy to walk. Yes. So the, the girl with two different color eyes, like whatever it is, he's always going to have something to say because no one ever shut him up. Right. That's yeah, true. Right. It's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> no, really, it's the truth. It's then we have to hold them accountable. Just because yeah. they, it does not mean that they get to ride that out. Because that was crazy. And it made that time, it wasn't, let's include him in a prayer. Corey was, he, what he did, which hurt my daughter so much, the whole day, five hours after, he did not, and Corey talks, and he's just mm -hmm. talking. He was quiet for like five hours straight. And he yeah, just killed his spirit. Car seat, like looking out. And I was like, wow, like this, this is why, once again, this is why this is necessary. Because that yeah. mom needed to be checked and that child needed to be checked. And there needs to be education on a major level in that family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and the unaccountability feeds the bullying. Oh, yeah. You know, it serves as a nutritional source. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, and accountability cuts it off. Sure. Because then you make it, do you say that in your book? Is that why you're laughing? It is the point of the book. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's so true. It really is. And, and there's ways to hold children accountable without making them feel like they're always wrong either. We have to take yeah. responsibility that we brought them here once again as a blank slate. So what did you do? You know, don't, don't now that they're little monsters, <laughs> you know, you want to punish them every week, take everything from them, you know, spank them, whatever your method is. No, you cannot spank your junk out of your child. You can't. You need to not put it in them to begin with. You cannot. You just need to redirect and do something different. And if that's how you grew up, Break the cycle. Do not stand in that. Yeah. Well, this is what happened to me. So this is what I'm. No, it's not. There are people who have murderous fathers, and and they, you know, they're in politics, and they're in the FBI, and they and they're not criminals. You know. Yeah. So it's 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 just about taking responsibility for how and what you put into your child. That's that's where it really begins. And then I would like to say too that in my school with the with the babies. Well, first of all, I used to integrate the babies with the two-year-olds in the lesson plan. Even if they couldn't talk about babies, we would just put them in their seats and let them hear everything and see everything that we were doing. And maybe people would challenge that and say, oh, they were too young, but you're never too young to experience love and positivity. But I have these little dolls, and they're awesome. I had a doll in a wheelchair, a doll with glasses. I had every culture doll. And, and what we did was, and this is before my own child was born with, a beautiful diversity. You never hear me say disability. And yeah. so um, these children are like, wow. So it's cool to be in a 
you know, they find something cool about maybe the person in the wheelchair doesn't say, oh, it's cool to be in a wheelchair, but it makes them say, I accept something different. That's it. We have to expose them. I accept a different flower in the garden. That's powerful. Thank I you. I love that. Thank you so much. That's for beautiful. Your, yeah, your words, your contribution, everything that you're doing. This was a great interview. It was amazing. Thank you. Congratulations thank on you all your work. Guys. You guys have great energy. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all right, they're a little wild, you know. No, it's fine. You didn't put me to sleep, and I hope I didn't put you guys to sleep. <laughs> I just like I feel things so deeply and I I just you know see these little guys and I just it breaks my heart that anyone speaks not nice to a child or or an adult for that matter you know and I've experienced it personally so I understand you know what I mean I always say before we go I know we have to go but you know even this is so basic but you can even tell like how people are if they have pets, you know, like you can be at the park and you can go up to someone and their dog can just be really sweet or you can be like, oh Lord, <laughs> you know, but then you can see a lot about that pet owner a lot of times too, because they're fearful or they're rough and tough and playing hard. And, you know, you can tell a lot about somebody by their pets, their children, you know, who they surround themselves with, like in two seconds, yeah. you can figure it out, you know? So, and I think that, I, I just think it's important for us to not be afraid of ourselves. Just go yeah. back there and whatever it was, face it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't stuff it. Don't push it under the rug because all you're doing is creating it in your child. Even though you're stuffing, you're still putting it in them somehow. And we need to be, you know, top model parents. That's what we need to be here. That's where it begins. Or caretakers or aunties or babysitters, whoever cares for children. I don't want to keep saying parents, but whoever you are parenting or caring for a child, you need to really take a look at yourself, not be afraid of it, and just work on it. Work on it. Judgment-free zone. Well, so tell our audience one more time the name of your book. Okay. Your nonprofit and how they can find you, please. Okay, the name of the book is Tiny But Mighty, and this is it once again. Okay. <laughs> and um, our uh, organization is Tiny Be Mighty, and our website is tinybemighty.org. Thank you. That's where you can find us and contact us. We have contact information on there, and you know, if you would like us to come speak and share. We're here to do that. Thank you. Thank so, you. for our audience at home, well, remember? we want to we want to encourage you to keep spreading your message first of all, and thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank and you. we want to also remember that resets are very important, and we want you to reset because, because you, you deserve, deserve it. it. Oh, thank awesome. you for listening. Guys, have a good evening. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Congratulations. Thank you.